from Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. I'd like to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that we're adjusting our podcast a bit for the next few weeks as we focus on the impacts and the outcomes of COVID-19 and what that will mean for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers in both the near and long term. So you'll be getting a short form of our podcast, but the plan is to do a whole lot more of them for you. I want to apologize today in advance for any audio discrepancies. All of us on the podcast here are quarantined at home, just like you. Over the last few years, robotics within the warehouse has been an accelerating trend, fueled by tight labor markets and the proliferation of robots and cobots that offered a possible answer to the relentless acceleration of speed and volume we've been experiencing in modern commerce. Fast forward to today and we've seen the first half of 2020 throw a few monkey wrenches in the works. The labor situation, for instance, has certainly become more volatile. But the need for advanced automation alongside the human workforce in the DC may be more important than ever. Joining me today to discuss the future of advanced automation within the warehouse is Adam Klein, the solutions leader for warehouse management at Manhattan Associates, and Karen Levitt, the chief marketing officer at Locus Robotics, one of the companies at the forefront of the robot revolution in the DC. Welcome to both of you, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having us, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Now, Adam, you've been working in and around the WMS solution space for decades. And during that time, there's been a steady increase in the use of all kinds of automation. But the advanced capabilities of modern robotics are often being touted as able to operate the DC autonomously. Where does the human workforce fit in the future of the warehouse? Well, Chris, automation you know, has always been around to you know, replace or at least augment some level of human work uh, for, for a long time. Even simple conveyance uh, that's intended to move product from point A to point B in the distribution center you know, has a role in making people more effective uh, in the distribution center by reducing travel and things like that. Well, it's, it's no different than really any other tool that's ever been created to help support you know, any type of human activity. Uh, but in the distribution center, you know, the need for speed, uh, the onset of the labor volatility that you mentioned earlier, cost constraints, you know, other factors really mean that we need more help, uh, more augmentation from advanced automation. But this rarely excludes humans. It's oftentimes, you know, in in conjunction with, not in lieu of uh, the humans. In fact, for the most part, what you find is, you know, the humans and their decision making capabilities. Are, are very difficult to replace. And, and most automation that's out there intends to make them more efficient, not replace in general. Okay, Karen. So let's take that thread a little bit further. I mentioned the term cobot earlier. Can you give us a little history behind that term and why as a company on the front of distribution robotics, Locus really focuses on the message of robots empowering people? Sure. Um, you know, and as, um, as Adam said, humans have been working together with the technology they've been developing for, you know, since, since the dawn of time. Um, we may have moved the ditch digger from shovel to backhoe, but you still need somebody to operate the backhoe. And the same is true with automation in the warehouse. The term cobot very simply means collaborative robots. And by definition, the term collaborative 
means that you are working together with humans. And the really the, the great benefit to technology through the ages has been that we can free the human from the mundane, repetitive tasks so that they can do what humans do best, which as, as Adam mentioned, is really using their judgment and their skills. So what we're doing is we're taking away a lot of the repetitive tasks and allowing the humans to apply the judgment that comes from their experience and expertise in working with the warehouse. So we're making the humans better at the same time we're, we're improving productivity. Okay, so this augmented capability, right, or this advanced toolkit, I know there are some distribution leaders out there listening to us right now. What should they be thinking about if they're considering the introduction of robotics, advanced robotics, or maybe the acceleration of robotics in their warehouse environment? What kind of benefits can they expect when they introduce this advanced toolkit? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, if you had asked me that question back in January, I would give you one answer asking it now, I would give the same answer, but augmented with the state of the new reality. So the principal reason I think is, is really to deliver benefit in terms of productivity and, and ROI to the business. So the, the, the principal reason for putting robots in the warehouse or for putting any automation in the warehouse is to drive better outcomes for both the top and bottom lines of the business. In the case of of our piece handling robots that usually translates to greater productivity in the operation. If we can double or even triple the throughput that the humans are able to accomplish, that pays enormous dividends to both the top and the bottom lines. At the same time, the robots are delivering a lot of business intelligence, a lot of insights to help those operators plan strategically to improve their business on a continuous basis. And then nowadays, of course, we've been plunked down into this new normal. Operators need to uh, be concerned about not only how their warehouses can be more productive, but how their warehouses can protect the health safety of their workers. And what's interesting is the technology, the solution that we designed to improve productivity also happens to support the social distancing that's critical today. If you think about it, we always designed our solution to separate the associates. We didn't try to separate the associates for health reasons. We wanted to separate the associates because if associates are crossing paths in the warehouse, then almost by definition, they're not operating as efficiently as they could. If I have to pass you to go pick an item that you just walked by, why couldn't you have picked that item? So we've, we've always designed the solution to allow the associates to stay in their zones and to pick what's needed and the robots move from human to human to form the most efficient outcomes. And now that very same technology that improves productivity is also keeping the workers socially distanced in the warehouse so they don't ever have to interact with another human, they only interact with the robots. Okay, so Adam, if we take what Karen is saying here, where we're really using these robotics tools to accelerate the production, right? Sometimes doubling or tripling the production of the human capability. But we know that there are a lot of different kinds of jobs in the warehouse, right? We, you have clients that have a variety of facility sizes, complexities, product mixes, differing fulfillment needs. 
It seems that some of them might require different kinds of tools or automation or robotics to perform different tasks, right? Well, that's absolutely right. You know, Locus and, and you know, some of our partners with those cobot technologies are you know, really great for uh, helping with picking, you know, which, by the way, is, is one of the largest, um, you know, kind of sources of labor spend in the distribution center. So anything we can do to make those people more effective uh, affects the bottom line very, very quickly. But as you, as you mentioned, there's a lot of other types of automation out there. Uh, maybe it's, you know, moving large pallets from point A to point B and, and automating that. Maybe it's unit sortation uh, in an e-com world where you're doing bulk picking on one side, sorting it out, you know, for packaging on the other side. These are all different types of automation. There's a ton more. Uh, so it makes it really important to, you know, be able to not only integrate with all these different uh, types of solutions, because that's step one is the integration, but it becomes, you know, much, much more difficult when you have two or four or 10 of these different types of automation that are out there, uh, maybe performing uh, very, very different tasks, but sometimes performing similar tasks. So you have to actually be able to go beyond integration and start to think of things holistically in terms of, you know, what is each of these types of resources trying to do and be able to start to orchestrate the work across them in an intelligent manner. Okay. So if we think about it that way, let's pretend I'm a distribution leader. I'm responsible for all of these different types of automation you're talking about. Could be in multiple DCs, right? Across my organization, some have some types, some have others. Doesn't that make it more difficult to manage all of that? Orchestrate all of that, as you said? It, it certainly does. So, you know, traditional WMS, you know, was really focused in on managing and, you know, and fulfilling orders, managing the inventory, tracking inventory, and then really, you know, more recently, managing the people side of things, right? Labor management, as, as you probably know, you know, our, our warehouse management, very, very strong in labor management capabilities. But when we start to add in the automation angle and the, and the need to understand what's happening at a real-time basis with the automation, you know, now all of a sudden we have a full view of what's happening inside, the w, inside of the warehouse. But we can't do that with traditional warehouse management systems. So that's why we went and built a warehouse execution system within the WMS that helps to coordinate all these different things, including the automation and the people, right? The people is a, still a critical part of it, as Karen mentioned earlier. Uh, so, you know, when, when we think about combining visibility and control uh, of the automation through the warehouse execution system layer, you know, with all the intelligence and optimization kind of in a centralized place inside the WMS, now all of a sudden you have all these different types of automation that are feeding into the WMS, making use of all the great optimization that's been built out uh, there. And now we can start to really orchestrate work across man and machine and get to this level of, of sophistication inside the distribution center that allows us to make you know, some really good decisions and keep the orders flowing in, a, in, a, in an optimal manner. Okay. And I think that really builds on what Karen was saying earlier, just at a, at a macro level, the unification of all of those moving parts, those resources that are, that are performing, whether they're automated or whether they are human. Now, now, Karen, you mentioned something earlier that I'd like to come back to. One of the benefits of having this coordinated robotics in the DC is the data, the insight. What kinds of data does the robotic operations in the warehouse bring to the DC leaders? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. You know, it's a, a lot of times when people think about data collection from automation, they tend to think fairly linearly. I could mention 
one really important piece of real-time data that we present to our customers all the time, which is productivity, worker productivity, and even robot productivity. And somebody might say, well, gosh, don't we always know what the worker's productivity is? Yes, but we know workers' productivity oftentimes because we associate that with the with the completion of a cart full of, of picks. In the case of the Locus solution, we, we implement what we call a multi-robot solution. So a worker is not responsible for all of the picks in a single order. The only worker in the warehouse responsible for the entire order is the robot itself. And then it's going to travel to different workers to have individual picks made, again, because we want to improve the efficiency and productivity of the humans. So in order to measure the worker performance, we have to really be consolidating information coming across multiple orders to get to what the worker's performance level is. So performance data is, is one nugget that we provide, and that we can do both in real time and retrospectively. Not only can we, can we provide that data, but we can share it with the workers themselves. So we implemented gamification in our solution, and that gives the workers an opportunity to step it up to the next level in a fun, interactive way. But then there's information really that only the robots can provide. If you think about the fact that we've now got self-driving cars running around in the warehouse, the robots can detect conditions in the warehouse that really can only be seen through the robot's eyes. Things like congestion in the aisles. This becomes especially critical as a warehouse hits peak season. It's just at the moment when you need everything to be running at peak optimization. You've got big carts laden with, with lots of, of goods. You've, got, you've stepped up your worker population with temp workers, and the aisles can get pretty congested. The robots can detect that in real time, and they can actually reroute themselves. Not only can they reroute themselves in order to decrease the congestion, but they're also putting up real-time dashboards for the warehouse operators to help them gain more insights that they can then um, that they can then use to do, say, better slotting. If you've got a lot of fast-moving products in your warehouse, you may not want them all in the same aisle where every worker, every picker, every robot is going to have to go to get this material. You may want to spread those items about in order to decrease the congestion. And then we've got lots of not just real-time but retrospective reports that can help the warehouse understand better how the how the space is being used in terms of its physical locations again to inform better slotting down the road and then we work with the WMS or the WES and we exchange information so that this becomes an additive process where we're applying locus optimization intelligence to to our interactions with the customer and Manhattan is applying Manhattan optimization intelligence. So it's really creating this aggregate kind of, kind of brain trust to help run the warehouse operation. Okay, so Adam, if we listen to what Karen just said there and talk about the amazing rich amount of information that Locus is bringing for the users of their system and their solution, 
if I'm a DC leader again, and I've got other automation partners like Locus who are providing access to some level of data, may not be as rich, but some level of data, how does that team make use of it at a facility or even an enterprise level in real time? Yeah, Chris, I think that you know when, when we think about some of the things that Karen was mentioning, it, it, it's important to understand that there's, there's information that's sort of required and beneficial within the WMS. And there's other pieces of information that she mentioned. Congestion is a great example of that. That is, it's super important for the holistic, you know, kind of efficiency of the distribution center. But if Locus is already tracking and managing around the congestion, then, you know, frankly, that frees up the WMS to, to really focus on some of the other things that are probably a little bit more important from a fulfillment perspective uh, and, and the decision-making perspective of what we're, what we're doing. So what I mean by that is, you know, let Locus make the decisions that, that they do really, really well and have, have great visibility into. But things like, you know, we under, need to understand, you know, how, much, how many bots are available at any given time. Um, you know, I don't necessarily care about the path that they take to get from point A to point B as long as they're doing it and, and managing the SLAs. But as I understand, you know, which bots are available and, and, and kind of how much capacity is in the overall bot network, then it allows me to say, okay, this next order I'm going to send down to the to the pick area. Uh, the bots are going to be involved. But this next set of orders, maybe it goes over to my auto store or my goods person or whatever other solution I might have in the distribution center. And in that case, I'm kind of like a uh, a traffic cop almost, right? At the highest level where I'm I'm managing orders and I'm saying you go left, you go right, you go up, you go down. And, you know, the the robotic solution and the other automation solutions are, are kind of following the, you know, kind of following that directive at that point in time. So all this data uh, that Karen's mentioning, uh, some of some of it, you know, feeds directly into WMS and should uh, feed directly into WMS to help with that decision making capability of, you know, when do I release the order and to which resources do I uh, release the order? Other pieces of information are, are just, you know, critically important to the overall efficiency of the entire solution. And the entire solution now becomes this, you know, this overall integrated uh, solution between, you know, Manhattan's WMS and in this case, Locus and maybe some other uh, automation as well. So we've got to, from a WMS perspective, bring the data in, interpret what's important for us to make the right decisions, and then surface, you know, even a, a subset of that to the, to the supervisor so they can understand a holistic view of what's happening in the distribution center how are my people performing? What is their utilization? What's their throughput? But then also from an automation perspective, I need to be able to see the same thing. Am I getting the most out of the investment that I've made into robotics and other maybe fixed assets as well? And, and as I start to bring all that data together, it gives me a really good indication of the overall health of my distribution center as well. Right. I, I think we keep coming back to the same theme here of, of, sort of an, a thread underneath of unification, whether it's unifying man and machine so that they're they're both better than each on their own, or perhaps it's unification of all of the technology along with all the other assets in the warehouse to make sure we're as efficient as possible. Now, Karen, during the discussion so far today, we have been talking about robots and humans together, but what's going to happen in the future in our new post-pandemic normal? Where is robotics technology going and what could we expect to see in the next few years? Well, as you said, we, I think we're, we're already encountering the future right now. Uh, you know, in the past, when we've talked about things like um, disruption 
we've always expected that that's going to be a trend that we'll be able to see coming over time. Uh, and we didn't expect that that it would just, we would just get dropped right into it, right? That we've been dropped into a disruptive world. Um, before I answer that whole question, I just want to add on to something that Adam said, because when he's talking about the WES being able to see the master conditions in the warehouse and making decisions about where to send things, remember that that's particularly important when we're talking about multi-tenant warehouses uh, run by 3PLs, for example. That when we that there may be instances where one tenant in the in the environment may be having a seasonal sale, for example, and maybe they're going to need extra capacity, maybe extra capacity, not just in the form of human labor, but also robot labor. So the WES is able, as as Adam said, to look at the order pools that are coming in for one client or for for a host of clients and decide how to deploy those resources. And the reason I mention this is not only because Manhattan does a great job with it, but also because I think what we're learning now, we, we may have known it all along, but we've come hard smack up against the cold reality, the fact that what warehouse operators need more, more than ever right now is flexibility, is the ability to respond quickly to changes in the environment. And having technology that can be as fluid as the operators need it to be is especially critical right now. We've long talked about things like seasonality. Everybody talks about the holiday season peak. Well, guess what? Our customers today are experiencing the equivalent of a Black Friday every single day, and they have been since late March. So it used to be a lot more predictable. When I say used to be, we're talking about just 10 weeks ago. The world was a lot more predictable. And you you could know that you were going to be doing, you know, 5% of your annual volume in the month of July and 22% of your annual volume in December. And you could plan for that. You could plan for that in your hiring. You could plan for that in your automation. You could plan for that in your supply chain orders. But today, you just don't know. We've seen e-commerce as a proportion of retail increase at a pretty steady rate year over year for the last 15 years. It increases 10% a year, but even with that really wonderful compound annual growth rate, in January of this year, e-commerce only accounted for 11% of all retail. What do we think that number is going to be this quarter? I think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot higher. And I don't think that's going to slack off even as society adjusts to this and even as we start to see advances in medicine help us to alleviate the pain we're all now in. So we need, operators need to have the flexibility of knowing that any day could be a peak day. Any day could have the unexpected come. And so preparing for the unexpected is something that we've always, not we, but we, the collective industry has always talked about. And now it's right in our face. And we've been living the unexpected for, for 10 or 12 weeks. And we've seen some businesses are handling it beautifully and others have struggled, but we've also seen a pretty rapid learning curve, a pretty steep, rapid learning curve where people are coming up to speed. And we're seeing this in every walk of life. 
We've seen restaurants convert to takeout. We've seen grocers step up their online game and have curbside curbside pickup or even delivery. And this is really a testament to the underlying ingenuity that's driving all of this. So what does the future hold? Well, the future holds continued collaboration with humans, for sure. But we are going to see more machine-to-machine collaboration as well. Uh, We're going to see robots delivering not to human packing stations, but maybe to sortation walls where they're going to be met by a stationary picking arm for example, or we're going to see robots, uh, mobile robots, AMRs, autonomous mobile robots, delivering their goods to the induction mechanism on a sortation device uh, or delivering goods to replenish that that ASRS that that Adam was referring to. So we're going to see more of that. I don't think that's going to obviate the need for humans, but we are going to see the humans behind the scenes really working through the fact that the unexpected can come upon us at any time. By by definition, it's unexpected. But now we're living with the fact that the magnitude of the unexpected can be enormous and put in place the systems that are going to be able to buffer the impact of that and make themselves ready for whatever may happen. Well, Adam and Karen, that's all the time we have for today. While the robot revolution may be upon us, it appears the partnership of man and machine may be changing uh, faster than we expected before, but still offers a tremendous potential for improvement in the DC. I want to thank both of you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks so much for having us, Chris.